Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, thanks so much for joining us here for today's Tactical Tuesday. I wanted to give you a quick, brief overview of what you are hearing. Last week, I participated in the first ever virtual e-conference held by a solar company. In this case, it was the Midwest Solar Expo. Jake Rosemarin and Sharona and their team had a fantastic experience on the Verbella virtual platform. We literally created avatars and walked around this virtual world presented from virtual stages. And every morning, I had the Suncast Morning Show, which was presented by LG. Thanks so much to LG, Brian Lynch, and the team. You're phenomenal. Really appreciate your partnership to bring the Suncast Morning Show to life for Midwest Solar Expo. What you're going to hear next are excerpts from those morning shows. We started with the roundup of the day of what to expect, kind of like what we did back at SPI. And then the segments that you're going to hear are the second segment of the show, where we talk about what's happening in the solar market, broadly speaking, from the perspective of the day's guests. Each day was co-hosted by Brian Lynch, the Director of Development for Solar and Storage at LG Electronics North America. Day one, we had Rex Kehoe from Solar.com, Director of Partnerships. And day two, we had Eric Posse, close friend of mine, who's also the Chief Development Officer for IPS up in Minnesota, who knows a ton about what's happening in the Midwest market. So buckle your seats. These are two excerpts from these morning shows. If you want to check out the morning shows themselves in their entirety and see what the Verbella platform is about, then Go check it out on LinkedIn, uh, also on our YouTube channel, Suncast Media on YouTube. But if you check my LinkedIn channel back last week, you'll see where we had a bunch of folks posting about these morning shows. So I'd encourage you to check those out and see what we are actually experiencing in in these talks. But dig in now to uh, segment one, which was uh, the first morning where Brian and Rex and I talk about the state of the solar market post-COVID-19. Brian, as a leading manufacturer, I know that you guys have broad visibility into how the industry at large is reacting to the pandemic crisis. Most states qualify solar storage as essential business, solar and storage, excuse me, as essential business these days. But the experience varies widely depending on where you sit in the value chain. I'd be curious to hear from your vantage point, what's been your experience and what do you anticipate to be the shape of recovery efforts in the coming months? Yeah, Nico, it's a it's a fascinating question and one that the answer changes to seemingly on a weekly basis. I've been in the solar industry for about 15 years, and I thought I was immune to these kind of wild gyrations that we've seen as an industry. And then 2020 happened, the pandemic happened. And you know, if you think back to the back half of March, it's been incredible watching how how much the market contracted so suddenly and then what's happened since then. And what we've seen is, is I talk to partners across the country, you know, every market is re- reacting different, whether it's New York or parts of California that were completely shut down for several weeks to areas in the Southeast and the Southwest that really continued as, as business as usual. What I've seen though is a general trend up 
you know, LG partners are reporting sales are, are growing and increasing by about 10 to 15% week over week. This is absolutely reinforced by what Sonova, Enphase, Sunrun, and others have mentioned during their earnings calls. And then also kind of reinforced by the data published by Wood McKenzie and Ohm. What's happened here is, is we have what LG has dubbed this reasonable response spectrum. You know, some people have went into a fetal crouch, tried to protect their businesses, just make payroll, desperately trying to get the triple P loan. Brothers leaned in and they saw this as an opportunity to invest in their businesses, really re-examine what works and what doesn't work. And the reality is, is there's really no perfect solution for this because we're in uncharted territory. But at the end of the day, we've seen our partners kind of re- take restock of their business. You know, I, I have a, a genuine, sincere hope that many will emerge stronger. And what it's forced everyone to do is re-examine their business and their supply chain. What's working? What isn't? What's bankable? And if nothing else, this disruption is forcing innovation. My hope is that some of it will be long-term net positive for the industry. Yeah, it's a fascinating look from above at how partners around the industry are reacting. Now, another element is direct to consumer. Rex, I know that solar.com is very end-customer focused. What can you tell us about how customers are reacting during the crisis? What insights have we gleaned over the past two to three months that might foreshadow our future expectations? And also, what did Solar.com in particular do from the beginning to monitor the situation? We actually did something pretty creative. So as soon as COVID hit, Solar.com began essentially collecting data on the customer response to COVID. So we have a team of energy advisors, and after every interaction they had with a customer, they would submit a form. And it would basically help us track this customer's mindset in terms of you know where they were at in terms of purchasing solar due to COVID. So a couple of things we, we did notice, right when it hit, customers that were in the process of buying solar, we saw a high percentage of them just completely halt their decisions. So there's just so much uncertainty with the market, folks worried about you know, keeping their jobs, so we did see, you know, probably for a two to three week period, just a complete stall with customers that were already in the pipeline. We also, you know, because of, you know, with COVID and everything like this, you know, they were uncomfortable having, you know, installers on their property. So many of those customers just completely halted their decisions for, you know, like I said, two to three weeks. We did see, you know, customers that engaged with us after COVID hit. With those customers, they moved forward very smoothly. I mean, they... They contacted, you know, solar.com. They were looking into solar, knowing full well kind of what the environment was. And a lot of these consumers, you know, they were, you know, the driving factor was more energy independence. So we did see still interest from customers wanting to go solar at the spark of COVID. We did see a lot more customers wanting to go with financing transactions as opposed to, you know, a cash purchase. It's obviously a, a tough thing to invest when you're a little bit uncertain with, with the market. I mean, now that we're what, you know, two to three months, it's all a bit of a blur right now, but two to three months in, we're, we're seeing the buying decisions seemingly back to normal at this stage. I'm curious how each of the businesses are modifying their approach, modifying their messaging. Brian, as a major supplier of technology, both on the hardware side and increasingly in controls, where have LG's efforts been focused? Yeah, so it was interesting listening to what Rex described from a direct-to-consumer experience over the last 12 weeks. You know, we certainly saw the trailing end of that as we talked to our installation partners. And, you know, I think everyone revised their business plans, you know, uh, beginning of of April, end of March. And top-down, 
LG's executive management team said, you know, business plan is out the door. Focus on being the best partner as possible to your customers and your installers. Help them emerge healthier. And so that's manifested itself through Q2. And in very subtle ways, we provided free face masks to LG partners in the broader industry. I think there was 50,000 that we provided to solar professionals. Uh, we did a consumer rebate to spur people to sign contracts in Q2. We listened to what we were hearing. And, and you know, to Rex's point, the consumer purchase decision was stalled. So we wanted to give people a reason to sign that contract as quickly as possible to get our installers back on the roof. Uh, just last week, we announced a partnership with Open Solar to provide free access to the entire industry to a, a new uh, proposal platform. Probably the biggest thing is, is we launched what we call the Solar Concierge Platform. Something that's frustrated probably everybody in the residential solar space is the customer acquisition cost. And LG probably has the best opportunity to reduce that given our high consumer residence brand. And so we're trying to leverage how people view LG you know, positively from a consumer perspective and bring them through a consultative solar purchase journey that actually enhances the value for our partners as opposed to competing with them for the same customer base. And we also shouldn't ignore what's being done on the policy front, right? There's a lack of tax equity in the market right now. So we're putting all our full policy efforts behind supporting a direct pay conversion and also more subtly, the need for remote permitting. I think the, the crisis has really amplified this idea that the, the old way of inspections and permitting slow the process down, create friction, and as an industry, this is a way to take cost out, and this is breeding innovation, and we are fully supporting those efforts. We had Birchie on our Suncast Summit back in April talking about the uh, sort of the next level of open access for the industry, open solar being one of those partnerships. I love what you guys are doing with the solar concierge as well as a way to help your partners downfield by opening up doors they may not otherwise have access to to leads and access to information that helps them get their customers through the buying decision process. You're absolutely right. The psychology of what's happening with the consumer post-COVID is something that is uh, is fascinating. We'll be uh, for sure covering and keeping a watch on this Harris poll that you guys are, are referring to and working on. Rex, to that end, I wonder what innovations are you all seeing with regard to the sales process, modifications, what has surfaced to accommodate the way that we sell? I mean, notably from Sunrun on down, everyone had to switch to online sales. I feel that a lot of folks were in some way ready for that online sales process, but I'm curious what your experience has been since you guys have hundreds of installer partners in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. And just to just reiterate Brian's point there with, you know, during this whole pandemic, the, the permitting, I can't stress enough how important it's going to be to switch to online permitting. I mean, we were we had markets where, you know, installers would have been able to continue these installations, get up on the roof, but we couldn't get permits. And I want to give a shout out to Calsa in, in California, who really did a tremendous job kind of uh, you know, crowdsourcing information and, and encouraging these AHJs to switch to, you know, online permits. I think that's going to be a huge benefit moving forward and really hope that these AHJs adopt these online policies just to help, you know, expedite the, the installation process. In terms of sales, yes, we are seeing a tremendous shift towards online sales. In solo.com, we were very fortunate. We've We've always been 100% online. We've been doing this for you know five years now. So we were significantly less affected by COVID than a lot of installers and organizations who 
you know, heavily rely on door to door sales. I mean, folks did not want you in their home. So we, we did see a huge spike in installer applications that, you know, they wanted to join solar.com to supplement, you know, the sales loss that they were experiencing with solar.com customers. We've seen this trend, you know, more and more consumers uh, buying solar online. You know, when we when we first started, people thought we were crazy. And there's no way a customer is going to sign a contract for a thirty thousand dollars solar system without out meeting you. So it was, you know, kind of a slow to begin with. But now we're seeing a lot of traction with online sales. We're seeing manufacturers get involved. Installers are switching their sales to online. Utilities are are wanting to have marketplaces on their you know, websites to promote solar. So this is really the direction it was headed. And I think with COVID, it's really just expedited this transition. You know, I I think it would be a good change if this is is more permanent. I mean, selling solar online is just such a more efficient way to utilize your sales team. And if you're doing the door-to-door sales, you can maybe squeeze in, what, two to three appointment sets in, in one day. You're driving all across town. Whereas if you're online, you can squeeze in you know, 10 to 15 online web conferences that you know is going to just further increase the adoption of clean technologies, which is what we're all shooting to do. So you know, I think I think solar sales shifting online were already headed in that direction, and COVID has just you know, completely expedited this this transition. You know, every commercial solar opportunity counts. So why lose that sale to high demand charges? Did you know that you can offer up to 30% in demand charge savings at a tenth of the cost of installing a battery? With DemandX, the innovative new demand charge reduction software from Extensible Energy, your client can boost ROI and reduce payback time without all the expense. And as a Suncast listener, you can get a free demand charge analysis by going to extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. And while you're there, check out three recent case studies on how this easy-to-install software is a win-win for you and your commercial solar clients. DemandX works for office buildings, retail, churches, and more. See for yourself at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. Hey, welcome back to the show. Now we're going to jump into day two of the morning show from the Midwest Solar Expo. Today's segment was from... A conversation that I had with Brian Lynch again and Eric Posse, CDO for Impact Power Solutions, better known as IPS, where we talk about trends in the market. Eric gives a recap of day one, which is really interesting. Dan Sugar uh, in particular had a keynote. Uh, State policy, market trends, what's happening sort of rest of fiscal year 2020. Really interesting conversation between these two guys who have deep history in the industry. Hope you enjoy it and love to hear your feedback. Minnesota, as many of you know, has been kind of the epicenter here the last month um, related to to equity. Um, We are headed into a special session where uh, we didn't get uh, too much of what we wanted to get uh, done uh, through the middle of May just related to COVID. And then um, the murder of George Floyd kind of threw everything uh, for a loop. So we are headed back into a special session now. Both myself and, and IPS are supportive of uh, one initiative in particular. Jamez Staples, who's a resident of, of North Minneapolis, has been trying to get a training center built uh, in that neighborhood. Currently, if, if you're a resident in North Minneapolis, you've got to uh, travel two hours uh, by bus in order to, uh, to get training 
for uh, to be a solar installer, and and that's just not uh, not tenable. He's looking for uh, a grant, um, and we're we're supportive of that. In Illinois, certainly we're we're active there. We're building our first uh, handful of community solar projects this year. Obviously, a funding cliff uh, there. Been quite a bit of uh, lobbying efforts uh, dedicated to. Uh, providing additional funding for the adjustable block program and um, certainly supportive of that as well. I'm curious, what is happening in Illinois? I mean, having spent most of my time both in Latin America and East and and California, I'm not as familiar with which markets are really booming right now, but I hear from everyone that Illinois is just going gangbusters. What is so special about Illinois in in the current market? Through the Future Energy Jobs Act, which was enacted in 2016, uh, provided funding via uh, ComEd and Ameren for a set of uh, renewable initiatives. You know, some of the challenges that we've seen uh, over the last couple of years and opportunities, uh, the the rec pricing for that program, they were using probably 2014 or 2015 rec pricing uh, for a program that's getting rolled out now. And so just a little bit over-incentivized, many projects chasing, you know, a finite uh, number of dollars. And so, um, you know, I think that'll get fixed here in the second round. Obviously, there's a lot of hope for Illinois in the long term, given the politics uh, are, are leaning, you know, favorably for, for renewables there, as well as just, um, you know, there's, there's a large uh, energy base, uh, energy load base uh, in, that, in that area as well. Brian, you've been working a lot at the, uh, the at the general sort of federal level. I'm curious to see from the perspective of LG, what do you guys see happening as trends in policy right now? What are you keeping your eyes on? LG does actually spend a considerable amount of time and effort on the federal policy side to support the solar industry. Right now, everyone is thinking about the declination of the ITC. You know, a lot of people are calling 2020 a lost year, as well as the challenge of sourcing cost-effective tax equity to, to fund their deals, both in the commercial and the, the residential segment for third-party ownership. Uh, we saw in phase three that the an ask for the extension of the ITC was summarily rejected due to budget concerns, because apparently some people still think about that on the federal level. And so what the industry is really pivoting to is, a, is an ask for direct pay and move tax credit. You've been in the industry for a while. You know, that's the 1603 from, from many years ago. If that happens, you know, buckle up, it's going to be a, a huge secondary safe harbor cycle. And then the question is, is what happens from a, you know, access, not only access to product, but how does the market shift post 2022 when the ITC is slated to drop to 10% for commercial ownership and zero for individual ownership. So a lot of action on that side. I think my ask for everyone in this room that's listening to this, whether live or, or later, is keep a very close eye on the New England Rate Payers Association filing as it relates to net metering. Uh, This is a front for the EEI, and it would be cataclysmic to the distributed generation side of the industry. We need to vocally support uh, net metering as a policy and make sure that our voices are heard as a 200,000 person plus industry that removing net metering or substantially changing it to a wholesale uh, rate level would be cataclysmic to jobs and investment. This is direct affront to effectively 20 years of policy that uh, have been upheld at the federal level to essentially limit state-level policies. (laughs) I think that's something that Adam Brown is going to probably talk about later on today. There's so much that we could spend time on here on policy. Uh, I welcome uh, you all to please share with us anything that you find around policy. I know Brian and 
Eric are particularly involved in making sure that we keep these uh, ideas circulating that are healthy for the industry. You know, another thing I think that's really interesting as well are how supply chains are affected. I mean, Brian, as an Asia manufacturer, well-respected and known in the industry, how do things like the bulk power uh, executive order from Trump affect how the, the business forecast for the year? Yes. So this one's fascinating. So for those that aren't aware, kind of a, a brief primer, uh, May 1st, the Trump administration, Friday at 5 p.m., right? Nothing ever good is released Friday at 5 p.m., released an executive order effectively banning equipment uh, from hostile nations, which are not explicitly defined, but most people take that to be China, Iran, uh, that's irrelevant. It's really China is, is the target of this one uh, from placing equipment into what they call bulk power. And, and they define that. Most people think that's mainly on a transmission distribution standpoint, but there's a very clear case to be made for inverters and transformers. What's interesting about this is not only would it block that equipment from being sold into those projects, the Trump administration is saying that they will not allow the transfer of ownership of those projects that have Chinese equipment or equipment from Chinese-owned companies. So that, you know, a couple, a lot of big questions that need to be answered by the Department of Energy, which will happen uh, by, by mid-August. Uh, but it's really kind of shaking up the supply chain on the, on the utility side of the, the industry, which is creating a lot of disruption from a price standpoint and sourcing. Most people are thinking that there's some pent-up demand. As it relates to LG, it actually doesn't impact us. We have no manufacturing for solar in China. All of our product is made in uh, South Korea and then Huntsville, Alabama. You know, it's something we're keeping a close eye on. We, we think that once the definitions are, are published, you know, depending on the impact into the solar industry, uh, we will certainly see some, some potential changes. And people that are looking to source product late Q3, early Q4 should be mindful of that, uh, that they don't get on the, the wrong side of a, a wave of procurement. Speaking of trends, you know, Eric, IPS has just done a phenomenal job in Minnesota and more broadly around supporting the CNI market. Uh, what do you see happening within the CNI sector in the Midwest? We've been blessed over the last few years to work with quite a few Fortune 500s, um, and and certainly uh, Minnesota is a disproportionate amount of uh, Fortune 500s. We've seen clients uh, really moving toward wanting more from their solar projects than just savings. So um, increased access uh, for the community if it's a community solar project, workforce development training, other support in in marketing. Certainly, behind the meter, solar is very complex. And, uh, and companies want an insightful and, and uh, actionable plan uh, when they're considering on-site solar. We've also seen a continued interest in Safe Harbor, obviously, um, that, that drove a lot of strong demand for us in Q3 and Q4 of last year. We're going to see similar, if not higher, numbers uh, this year. And so I think the, the combination of those three things um, are, are really what, uh, what we're seeing as, as driving the market forward. Brian, LG has a, a well-established footprint as a provider of both module and storage solutions at the residential level. I'm not sure how much you guys are engaged in the CNI market. I'd be curious to hear that, but I'm also curious to see how is LG transforming as a company, not only through the pandemic period, but as our energy transition gains momentum, how's LG positioning and what do you see as trends in the market that you guys are really trying to get ahead of? About half of our production capacity is for 72 cell modules, both bifacial and monofacial, uh, you know, 400 
20 watt modules, low degradations. Uh, we do very well in, in space constrained projects because of high efficiency. From a trend standpoint, Nico, I think it's a fascinating question because you know, the, the business model for solar has grown so much over the last decade, but we should really be thinking about what happens post ITC and what does it look like for both distributed generation and uh, centralized generation. To me, it's all about smarter energy. Solar is phenomenal because the fuel is free, uh, but the challenge is, is you know, it doesn't work at all times. So it'll be the increased coupling of uh, solar plus storage. We're already seeing that. Finally, the, the storage industry is, is maturing kind of before our eyes. It, it feels like you know, 2010 from the solar perspective. And then from, from LG, we're really focused on how we can get all of our devices that are deployed throughout buildings, whether they're homes or businesses or universities, to start talking together and operating uh, in a low shed environment, TLU arbitrage. There's so many different things that you can do when you can get these devices to start working together. People know LG for appliances, beautiful TVs. We also make air conditioners, ESS, and all these kind of other elements to these building infrastructures that are big consumers of energy. And you'll see over the next two years, this idea that, that solar is just a foundational element to an intelligent energy ecosystem that enhances the user experience and also saves money and provides great services. Eric, you mentioned, you know, on top of the pandemic, what we're seeing nationwide from the riots and a lot of public activism around George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, it brings to mind for me that within our own community, there's a lot of need to have a discussion around equity, not just at a structural sort of personnel level, but around how do we get communities involved in environmental justice. You guys are involved in some programs in uh, Minnesota. I'd love if you'd, if you'd uh, take some time to chat about that as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a very tricky subject. We as an industry, I think we, when we look inward, have done a really abysmal job, maybe not abysmal, but pretty poor job at least of inclusion and, and equity just within our own sector. And I, I can be one of the f first to admit that, you know, IPS, even though we do quite a bit in that space, you know, it's not nearly enough. We are seeing, you know, and just from an overall standpoint, an increased interest in, in how can we foster uh, growing talent and, and, and increasing diversity within our organizations. And I think we found that working with some of the grassroots organizations within our own communities has helped to galvanize, you know, our own workforce development and, and our own, you know, thoughts about environmental justice. So for instance, uh, working with uh, in our own chapter of Interfaith Power and Light, uh, we've, we've established or helped to establish a just solar coalition where um, we've got a set of ethos that, that we live by and, and other com solar companies are living by in order to uh, participate in projects that they help to originate. Uh, and then, you know, also uh, there, you know, there are other local groups like a Soul Star program in North Minneapolis and uh, Sierra Club's climate parents um, who are, are helping to, you know, shepherd schools towards adopting 100% mandates. So um, all those things together, I think, you know, we, we can do a better job. And, and I think we're starting to take steps in that direction. If Q2 was, we'll call it the recovery, Q3 is maybe us resuming normal life again in, in some ways. Where do we see the rest of the year? What do we have to look forward to Q4, or maybe out even to 2021? Brian? Oh, my, my solar eight ball kind of rolled off my desk a couple of years ago and cracked. <laughs> so I'm a horrible, horrible prognosticator for solar. 
yeah, I think I think we're going to see a lot of pent up demand kind of break free. Obviously, if you're if you're trying to finance a, a CNI project, you know, there's an open question of who is bankable at this point, including municipal projects. It's a very challenging space. Uh, residential demand remains very strong. Uh, people are looking to you know put their money into their home. They're kind of front and center, seeing very high utility bills, and it's causing them to to now move forward the purchase decision that was otherwise pent up beyond this year. You know, I talked about the, the strong safe harbor cycle that will happen next year. And there's a lot of open policy issues that we all need to be very focused on that could swing the market dramatically one way or the other. And then of course, with the election coming up in November, you know, that will create a, a new set of variables we have to contend with. So solar is all about change. I think we thrive in it and that's why we, we love this industry. Yeah, piggybacking on what Brian had mentioned here, I, I do um, I do feel like uh, the second half of the year is going to be very strong. I think we're a lagging industry, so that depending on on how the economy is shaping up in, in Q4, that likely affects how our business is performing in 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 2021. Uh, and then also, you know, related to what Brian had mentioned about CNI projects, I do feel like where there are pace markets, the, that will be a strong. Solution, and we're starting to see that um, currently as we're working with the hospitality group, who's been hit really hard and is looking to pace as a as a solution. Well, there you have it, Warriors. I hope that you enjoyed this interlude, this excerpt from our daily show. What do you think of the idea of a Suncast daily show? We're playing with the idea, toying with the format. Did you like? This format with Brian and Eric and my having co-hosts and talking about current trends and market trends and what's happening in the year, what's happening in the news, what's happening in current events. Let me know. Sound off at Nico Mayo, N-I-C-O-M-E-O on Twitter. I really am more engaged on LinkedIn. Of course, many of you know that. So find me on LinkedIn. Again, go back and watch these if you want to see what the whole Verbilla experience was like. You can see it because we broadcast live from the stage inside of that virtual platform. So go check that out at LinkedIn. Make sure you follow me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash N-I-C-K-A-L-U-S, Nicholas. That's how I spell my first name, if you didn't know. Make sure you follow, not just that we're connected, but click that box and follow because every time I go live, you'll get a notification that we're live. And we've been going live at least once or twice a week. And I hope that you'll give us some feedback. And if you do think that it would be worth our while to invest a little more into the daily format or multiple times per week format. Would you do me a favor, drop me an email or a, a direct message in LinkedIn, nico at mysuncast.com, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks for checking out this recap of the Suncast Morning Show from Midwest Solar Expo. That's a wrap on this conversation, Warrior, but I do hope that we'll see you back here on Thursday for this week's long-form interview. I also encourage you to check out other episodes of Suncast and let me know what you think of these shorter form discussions. Do you want more like this? We've got hundreds of episodes, resources, and highlights from these discussions, along with the social media links for each episode guest, book recommendations, and so much more over at mysuncast.com. And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with our Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly tribe exclusive emails or even joining our exclusive inner circle of infinite learners and clean economy champions we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I do so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. And a special thank you to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. 
You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor, as well as learn more about becoming a sponsor if that's something that you're interested in. You can follow the links there as well to any of the offers that we've discussed about any of our sponsors here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>